definitely human. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. guys, welcome to Back to Earth, a podcast about roots. I'm Charlie May. This is episode five and I'm currently sat with mum. We're listening to the first four episodes together and she's giving me invaluable feedback. How do you think I did? You did extremely well. I thought it came across beautifully. A few glaring errors, but then... <laughs> <laughs> what glaring errors? <laughs> well, the first one that sprung to mind was that you were talking about a herd of sheep. It's a herd of cows and a flock of sheep. Oh, no one's going to care about that. <laughs> well, I do. <laughs> she just did a an, an action which was chopping her head off. I'm not sure whether she wants to do yes. that to me or cut. Stop rolling. Stop, stop the tape. rolling while I think about it. I oh, God. There was a lot of content in there and I'm just trying to think about things that made me giggle. Um, <laughs> you thought I, the first bit was a bit too fast. It did seem very fast to me on my first listening to it, but now I've listened to it a second time. It's not quite so bad. And I get what you're trying to yeah. you're, you're trying to show that you're on a treadwheel and it's going faster and faster and faster and then suddenly stop. So I, I get the joke now. I didn't to begin with. Sorry about that. What else did I get wrong in that episode then? I mean, it's all farming things that possibly, you know, because you obviously as a child, you don't take it all on board. And then later on, you know, we didn't have any livestock, so you wouldn't remember. But Charolais cattle are all white. They're not black, brown, green, orange, whatever. I was thinking of an emoji cow or something. In <laughs> But you were talking about, I mean, we had a cow that you called Panda that had a black patch. Yes, so. yes I suppose she did have a black ring around her eye. I think she was a bit of a crossbreed. Um, the Charolais herd was a herd that your father took on that his father had started. They were imported from France and he had the first Charolais cattle on Exmoor. And then everybody started breeding Charolais cattle. And what your father did was his main interest in carrying them on was to breed bulls. I do remember sometimes having having a bull in a field and you'd say don't for god's sake go anywhere near that field yeah. you know don't go in yeah. we always hired a bull for all our cows because you've got to change the bull regularly anyway so it made sense to just hire one in and bulls are you know with the testosterone levels and whatever they're very difficult to handle and you wouldn't want a bull indoors in the barns in the winter time yeah. Um, and you want all your cows to calve more or less at the same time. You don't want them scattered all through the year. So it made sense to just have a bull in for a short period of time and then send him on his way. Um, was Sir William Williams a member of the gentry? 
Yes, he was. He was an hereditary peer. His title has been passed on down through the generations. Unfortunately, Sir William Williams died without any children. The whole of the Williams estate passed to his nearest next of kin, which turned out to be a train driver in Canada. And they had to come over here and take over the estate. But there were such huge death duties when they died. In order to pay those taxes, he had to start selling off, well, the estate had to start selling off the farms. Mm. They owned 12 thousand acres on this hillside all the way from the main town out and um, all they've got now are a few hundred acres of woodland that I still rent which are now part of the farm yeah but all the fields we own your dad bought them just before we got married and obviously I mean you told me the information about the house being dated to 1650 and things like that were one of the cottages but was I right that the manor house we look out on the front and there were lots of workmen's cottages dotted around? I think the manor house was where this house is now and the indentations on the field in front of the house that was the old barns and things and we've still got evidence of the old entrance gateway down on the main road there were seven farm workers cottages here and they were hovels they were so basic I've seen photographs of them and there would be no electric no water no bathrooms it was a room downstairs with a fireplace in it a bedroom upstairs and there were wells that they carried water and they had to boil everything Sir William Williams he might have been an hereditary peer but he didn't have any money the upkeep kept him poor and when these cottages fell into disrepair which they did he couldn't afford to mend them and the council were called in and the council declared that they were unfit for habitation and so they condemned them and they found council houses in the local village for all the farm workers and they sent the bulldozers in and it all just got pushed in. Mm. They were thatched cottages, they were very pretty, they're exactly like you see in old paintings but in actual fact when you got inside, I mean it's all people knew in those Mm. days, I mean that's the way they used to live when you think back to how people lived in Dickens's time and and whatever it wasn't exactly palatial No, (laughs) Um, but they put up with it because their life was work and they got up in the morning as soon as the sun rose they went out to work all day came back in the evening went to bed you know they didn't have gardens and they didn't have hobbies no hobbies they didn't have time for that no you loving david's enthusiasm for moving to the countryside (laughs) so david isn't it (laughs) yes yes i mean he's you say your loyal husband i'll give him that (laughs) (laughs) yeah moving to the countryside for me so we just listened to episode two. Obviously, it features you mostly. So what did you have to say about uh, that woman? Or <laughs> not a lot about it, didn't her? <laughs> I love it. Mum's feedback was that woman speaks sense. Oh, yes. <laughs> Daughter doesn't know what she's talking about, but the mother knows it all. So what other factoids did I get completely and utterly incorrect in that one? You didn't at all. I mean, your studio is, you talk about an old shed, but that used to be the shed that in the days before this farm had electricity, that had the generator in it. Where you imagine? Where a little engine chugging away, providing heat and light, or just light anyway, to the house. I mean, we've got friends on farms out on Exmoor that still run on a generator because Seriously? it's too what? far away to get electric there. Oh my God. Yeah. 
So the Tarka line was another one that you were talking about, the old railway line. And we say the old railway line because up until the 60s, this area was serviced by steam trains everywhere. And this Tarka line was the old railway line between here and Ilfracombe. And a steam train ran every hour all the way along. Imagine it would have been a beautiful ride to sit in a train. And then um, Dr. Beeching came along in the government of the early 60s and he decided to give all these outlying railways the chop and so they all got closed down and the railway line died and then they decided to turn it all into the Tarka Trail um, walkways and whatever and they pulled up all the lines and tarmacked the track which was great but now of course the fashion is to go on a steam train ride somewhere and if we hadn't done that we would have probably got steam trains back because they've got them up on Exmoor the Woody Bay and the old Linton to Barnstable railway line is gradually being rebuilt Is Tarka the Otter the best animal story ever told? I started reading it as a child and I I just couldn't hack it. It was so boring. (laughs) If it was a children's book, you would never make it to the end. Maybe it was more for bedtime stories. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's a good idea. (laughs) Yes, I never finished the book, unfortunately, so I may be talking out of turn. Maybe it had a lovely ending. I honestly don't know, but I didn't personally. No, he dies in the end. Don't we all? Yes. (laughs) The other little thing you said, which I thought was amusing, going back to the first episode, you were talking about sheep being rammed. (laughs) The ram comes in at the end of the year and then he does his job, a bit like I was saying about the cattle and the bulls. They don't stay with the sheep all year round. The sheep only come into season at a specific time. And as soon as they're pregnant, the ram can have a holiday. They don't keep going back and forth no. to the ram until they're no. pregnant. No. The flock that we've got here now, notice I use the word flock. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, they have all got marks on their backsides. A ram wears a crayon on his chest so that when he actually serves a you, he leaves a colour on her back. So you can see that she's actually been served by the ram and they change the colour every week so you know which ones are going to lamb in which order. So we had green backsides, blue, red, black. And so the farmer comes along and he selects all the ones of a certain colour to take back home for lambing. We've got two colours left. One lot will be going in the next couple of weeks, I think. And then probably a week after that, the final ones will go. And then there will be a lull and the grass will have time to grow. And then all of a sudden you'll see ewes back in the field with lambs at heel. Oh, my favourite time of year. Yes. And then when that happens and they get back to the farm, the rams are all taken out of the main flock and they go off and they have their own little flock. You know, we used to have, um, I don't know how many we had, actually, I can't remember, but they'd go off and we'd find a small field for them and they'd stay there all summer just the old boys together just chewing the breeze as they say and living the perfect life would that be would charlie have been in that flock he never quite got it now charlie he was called charlie because he was a charolet i just assumed i'd call him charlie because that was my name no (laughs) because in those days you called yourself lottie your dad and i were the only ones that called you charlotte but anyway charlie was a lamb that suddenly appeared in our field somebody had thrown him out and there's a flock of sheep we'll chuck the lamb in there with them and um, obviously he was a baby he needed bottle feeding we don't have or we didn't have any charolais breed on the farm so we knew he wasn't ours so you then took on the job of bottle feeding him so he just joined the flock and you treated him like a pet 
by the time that he met his demise, he was a full-grown ram. And by then, he was big, he was a bully, and he would knock you over. I don't suppose you remember that. Oh, he you would, remember the sweet things. Come, he, you would call his name, he'd come pelting towards you, and you'd end up flat on your back. <laughs> he but just he loved still, me so he much. He still loved you. But Aww. unfortunately, then foot and mouth came along, and unfortunately, he met his demise with the rest of the flock. And that was the end of him. So we just listened to episode three. Perfect. Nothing to pick apart. I loved it. No, it was very good. Yeah, I love your optimism. <laughs> <laughs> you could say that again, yeah. <laughs> I don't think a vineyard will be too much trouble. Definitely not. No, if you've got the energy and the enthusiasm, you've just got to grow the variety that suits the ground, mm. which is what we do growing barley and wheat. I'm growing varieties that suit the fields and the soil, and you're going to do the same with the grapes. No other critiques? <laughs> None at all. Oh, wow. God, what a revelation. <laughs> Look forward to opening another bottle. Maybe not as explosive as the last oh God, one. It was so explosive, wasn't it? We literally lost half the bottle on the step. I know. Fabulous. Didn't have much to say on that episode, but that's all right by me. <laughs> no mistakes. You need to get the thumbs up. It's only when you talk farming that I have to pull you up on things. When uh, Traditional farming. When you talk about what you want to do, I don't know enough about it to... Oh, God, so maybe I should be talking to a viticulturist and they could be pulling apart this episode instead. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I'll stop it there. So, yeah, we just listened to episode four. Thought we'd end on a bit of a lighter note because it was kind of a bit of a heavy episode. I could add a bit more heavy to it if you would like my perspective of foot and mouth. Yeah, I think so, because, you know, I was 11 when foot and mouth happened and when they came and slaughtered all our animals. So my view of it is... I mean, I find it traumatic enough thinking about it, but actually, yeah, I came at it from a very childish perspective. So what was your perspective? Well, when it first started, it was all mainly up north. You know, we didn't worry too much about it. And of course, then we discovered that one of the um, people from Devon, his job was to go up north to these animal auctions and buy sheep and cattle on farmers' orders you know, they'd pay him to go up and bring a lorry load of animals back to restock their farm. And of course, he was one of the last loads that came out of the market where it all basically pinged off in every corner of the countryside. So he brought foot and mouth to North Devon. So they decided, as you said, in your covering of it, the next door farm was condemned for having it. And they slaughtered all of those. And then we were next door, so we had to have ours slaughtered. And then they found out that they didn't need to slaughter the ones next door after all. It just sounds awful. Nobody told you anything. That was the trouble. You were going through this nightmare. And the only I used to listen avidly every night to the Channel 4 News at 7 o'clock. It was the only programme that was telling you what was going on with foot and mouth. Everybody was under restriction. Nobody was allowed to go anywhere, but nobody explained anything. Mm. You know, all the officials were running around like headless chickens. I mean, they put the army in in the end to help out and the army came down here i remember this one particular story your dad was telling me these army guys were driving around in a land rover and looking lost and your dad stopped them and said are you all right and they said yeah we're looking for a particular farm we can't find it on the map can you give us an idea of where to go and when your dad looked in the window there were with the map and it was upside down <laughs> They just, oh, you know, they weren't any better at anything than anybody else. But um, there you go. But when they slaughtered them, they started with the sheep and we had just about come to the end of lambing. So we had a thousand sheep on the farm. 
all with lambs. And I think there were probably three or four sheep left that hadn't lambed yet. We had in excess of 2,000 lambs on the farm. They had to bring them all into the farm buildings. The sheep were shot and the lambs were injected lethally. And then they were just tossed into a pile in the corner. Then they went to our other farm buildings and they brought all the charolais out of the sheds. They were all in calf. I think we had two cows that had given birth, so there was baby calves at foot, and they were all shot and then just left in the silage pit. And then because so many farms were having this ghastly thing happening to them, they hadn't got the backup or the infrastructure. You talk about building funeral pyres to put them all on. There wasn't the available people to do it. So they just left them in a pile and then just went round all the different farms killing everything and then left them on the farms to rot. And then after that came very warm weather. Every time I went out, I came in and threw up. It was so bad. And then when they eventually decided it was time to get rid of the carcasses and put them on the fire, nearly four weeks had gone by. They were rotting. They were falling to bits. In order to pick them up, they had to do it with low loaders, telehandlers, and scoop them up and then drop them on the fire. And in order to scoop them up, obviously they were trundling these animals up against walls to pick them up. And then they proceeded to knock down, demolish all our sheds with their handling of the livestock, all the brick walls and things that we'd got inside the yard. They were all completely ransacked. You couldn't have used it for what its original purpose was. And then they said, right, you are now on a 12-month standstill. You're not allowed to use these sheds until we clean them up, disinfect. Everything had to be pressure washed from the roof rafters right down they dug up the floors we had to make all our farm people redundant Nigel was the only one that stayed on because he was the tractor driver and I can remember they they built all these fires around the town and they waited and they lit them all at half past 10 on the same night and what was the point in that I don't know they decided they all had to be gone at the same time and I can remember going into town it must have been the following day everybody was going round with scarves over their faces because the smell of the smoke drifting across the town everybody was talking about it you could still see the smoke in the sky we as a goodbye your father said right I've got to go and be there when they light the fires so we went up next to the sheds up on the top road and watched them light the fires all these cattles with their legs sticking in the air it was just absolutely awful but then he looked at me and he said for the first time in my life I've finished there is no more jobs to do I don't have to check on their feet I don't have to dip them I don't have to check for anything my work is done and that was the end of an era anyway brighter things <laughs> oh god yeah and as Nigel said it's a lot easier now you know he said I miss the animals but actually it's a hell of a lot easier now okay. to do well you think we employed five men and your dad now we can run the same acreage Nigel and me or Nigel and your dad, as it used to be. I think I was a bit cruel in keeping... Oh, well, it's David. David's the editor. He's the cruel one. We are keeping the beginning in. We said, oh, you know, can we redo it? <laughs> oh, bless him. No, I think he's a bit concerned about it. He said, oh, I don't know whether I'll come across all right, but I think he did very well. I yeah. thought it was an excellent interview, yeah. I hasten to add that he's not usually so... I mean, clumsy isn't the word, but he's only just had these two accidents recently. He's got his whole working life on the farm without anything happening, yeah, and he now he's making yeah. up for lost time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> He's got his thumb back. He didn't lose it completely. So, yeah. <laughs> good old NHS did a good job on him. 
<laughs> so what do you think about the first four episodes so far? Do you think we're on a roll? I do indeed. I love it. I can't wait to hear the next one now. Oh, they're nice yeah. and bite-sized, aren't they? I yeah, they really, are. Yeah, yeah no, I'm, you've got 100% approval from me. Oh, yeah, I think I'm finding it a lot of fun. and just Even I think if you don't know what the difference between a flock and a herd is. <laughs> I think, yeah, I'm loving the excuse to learn more, I think, in the medium of podcasts and, you know, delving into our history. And yeah, I love it. I love it. Okay, well, signing off until the next one. I imagine we'll do another four episodes and then I'll get you back on the chat. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Over and out. And that's the episode. Thank you for keeping me grounded, Mum. Can't wait to herd a flock of cows myself someday. In the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram at Back to Earth Podcast and on Twitter at Back to Earth Pod. Music is by John Day. Thank you. Artwork is by Eric Chow. Thank you. And this episode was edited by David Knight. Thank you. And it was listened to by you. Thank you. I feel like this is the most annoying. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, really, thank you. Um, if you're supporting us on Patreon, stay tuned for our after show series, Hashtag Farm Life. This week, we're going to listen to some stuff that didn't make it onto the show. Yes, deleted scenes, like the ones you used to get on DVDs. Remember DVDs? Find out more at patreon.com forward slash definitely human. Back to Earth is a definitely human production. Okay, bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.